right, if you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 15, we are going to uh, have a message today that will conclude our, this section of Revelation. We're going to jump into a new series next week that will lead us to Easter and just beyond that called Person of Interest. And we invite you to invite your friends. We have some cards back there about Person of Interest. We invite you to invite them especially anyone that you can think of that might have questions about does Jesus really still matter in the midst of a world that really rejects him and rejects the Bible and its truths. We're going to show how Jesus and the message of Jesus and what he did and accomplished, especially through the death, burial, and resurrection, does matter. It matters immensely, and it is true, and it is verifiable. And so we want to point, we're going to point that out, and we invite you to invite your friends that may be seeking or questioning or wondering, can all this be true? But today we're going to wrap this section up in Revelation chapter 15. And we come to this passage, and in it has a good bit of imagery. Really, the whole passage draws from Israel's exodus from Egypt under the leadership of Moses through God, of course. And we, we see a lot of imagery in this, and it's contrasting with the coming deliverance Jesus will accomplish. From Moses to plagues and a sea covered in glass that mirrors the Red Sea, this passage has all of that in it. And as we look at those items, and we will in just a moment, we will see that the ultimate picture meant to be seen here is the coming deliverance Jesus will bring for those who are his people. I love that phrase in that song we just sang, oh, what a foretaste of deliverance. The hope that we have is true because of deliverance that Jesus brings. So this should be for us similar to what it was like for the Israelites as Pharaoh and his armies pressed in on them at the Red Sea and they're, they're frantic and worried and concerned and God opened up the waters of the Red Sea so that they could go right through and the Egyptians never made it. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine what it was like to be the, the Israelites just released? But it took a long time. Remember, they had 10 plagues to see, right? They had been there for over 400 years, and they had prayed for deliverance from slavery and from bondage. And God sends Moses. He spares them in this, this situation where his mom places him in this basket, and he ends up being raised as a prince of Egypt and then comes to deliver his people because God called him to do that. But it, it took a long time even that because he ends up in the wilderness, right? And he ends up uh, there for 40 years, and God visits him in this image of this burning bush, this moment of this miraculous thing. God says, you're the guy, I've called you to do that. And he finally reluctantly goes, and he goes, and he goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, no, you can't leave. I've got it made. You guys are making all my buildings for me. You're making all these things that represent me that these people worship me with. You're, you're making this empire for me on the sweat of your brow and on the pain of your back. I'm not letting you go. 
I don't care who this God is. I don't care any of that. And we see the Israelites faced with immense evil. And it takes 10 plays to finally convince Pharaoh to let him go. But then he wakes up. It's like, wait a second. What have I done? My workforce is gone. And so he chases after them. And here they are in the midst of the desert. And God is going before them in a pillar of fire, uh, in a pillar of smoke, falling behind them in a pillar of fire, protecting them. But the army of Pharaoh is pushing in. And here they are at the Red Sea, and there's no way they can pass. Can you imagine what that's like? And in this moment, God opens it up, and they walk through, and Egypt never falls, never follows them any longer. Here in this passage in Revelation, we see a new scene signifying the accomplishment of another deliverance, a final and complete deliverance for all who are found in Christ Jesus in the end. In this passage in Revelation 15 that mirrors Exodus 15, we see a new and better Moses, a divine deliverer, Christ Jesus himself taking his people out of all the evil that binds them, all the evil that follows them. This passage is intended to instill hope and relief like the hope and relief the Israelites encountered once God showed himself strong over the evil forces that hunted the people of God down. And you and I today find hope and faith to walk in ourselves, to walk our life because we, we, we find hope and faith to walk in in our own lives because of the hope and ultimately deli ultimate deliver that Jesus brings over evil in our lives. Would you read with me this brief passage? And if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Revelation chapter 15, 1 through 8. Then I saw another great and awe-inspiring sign in heaven. Seven angels with the seven plague, last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had won the victory over the beast, its image, and the number of its name were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They, saw, they sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. And this is the song. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God. The Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you because your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked in the heavenly temple. The tabernacle testimony was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, dressed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to help you see the hope that this passage instills in you and I, this idea of deliverance that awaits those who are in Christ. 
And in this passage, three things about evil and the promised deliverance thereof arise from the text to instill hope and assurance to us who have placed our trust in Jesus. Number one, Jesus delivers his people from the bondage of evil. This is true again and again in Scripture, that God delivers his people from the bond of evil, from bondage from evil. That's what happened to the Israelites in Exodus 15. They stood together to sing a song after God defeated the the pursuant Egyptians. And here in this passage in, in 15, the people who won the victory over the beast stand together to sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. The Lamb has won the victory here. A better Moses led God's people to victory over the enemy and released those people from the bondage that evil provided. Evil, evil may seem to prevail in our lives. Bondage may seem to hold us down, but Jesus is king over evil. And he looses the chains that bind us, that hold us, and that hold us down. Here in this heavenly scene of sorts, the people of God sing this song. But we don't have to wait to exalt our king and thank him for the victory he's won. We also don't have to fret anymore or try and do the work ourselves to overcome the enemy. I'm reminded of that scene. I'm reminded of that moment where the Egyptians are being pursued by, or the Israelites are being pursued by the Egyptians. I remember, I recall that passage where they have been protected by God day and night by this pillar of smoke, pillar of fire, cloud by day, fire by night. I'm I'm recalling that, I'm remembering that. But as the Egyptians pressed in, As they got closer and closer, the people start complaining. Moses, have you brought us here to die, they say. Have you brought us to this point that we are going to perish here? It would have been better for us to continue to serve the Egyptians as their slaves than to just come to this moment and die. You see, evil presses in. There's times where it feels like it will never have any relief. It feels like we're literally caught between a rock and a hard place or a sea and a pursuant enemy. That's what evil feels like sometimes. That's what we face sometimes in our own life. As long as we have breath to, live, to breathe still, there's going to be trial and tribulation and trouble and difficulty that will sometimes press in on us. But friends... The hope that you and I have because of Jesus Christ helps us to get beyond the trial, to get beyond the evil, to get beyond the pursuant, whatever that may be in our life that has us pressed and pushed. Sometimes the pursuit of evil seems too much to carry but Moses said in this moment, and this, true, this is true today for you and I, the Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. You see, we always want to fix it ourselves. What are we going to do? We fret, we worry, we complain, we 
Lord, why would you let this happen? Why would this difficulty face, why, why would this face me? Why would I have to go through this? And the truth of the matter is, is that God delivers his people. Jesus delivers his people from the bondage of evil. And as Exodus 14, 14 says, we just got to be quiet and the Lord will work. We just let him work. He will do the work for us. There's not any work that you and I can do that will make it any better or any worse, maybe worse. But the Lord will come to our aid. I hesitate to say those words because I'm fearful that sometimes we assume that no hardship will come upon us. That's not what we're promised. The promise is that we will once and for all one day be fully delivered from the hardship that evil brings. It's this heavenly scene, this new exodus, this new deliverance that comes after a period of bondage and difficulty. The Egyptians, uh, they pressed in on the Israelites for 400 years. And you and I, as the people of God, have faced the trials this world brings for far longer. But the promise is that one day we will be rescued. One day we will fully be Delivered, And we don't have to wait till that moment where we're standing on the sea of glass. We don't have to wait for that moment to experience the deliverance of our Savior. Jesus bought that already. The song we just sang said he bought it through his resurrection. You see, Jesus took on the death. He took on the sin that you and I deserved. The death and the punishment we deserved for our sin. He took all of that on himself. He died to it. And when he died to it, he left it done because he came back to life. And his resurrection brings us hope. That's how we're delivered. Through the resurrection of the lamb. This is a song of the resurrected lamb. The lamb slaughtered for sin and, say, and, and raised again to bring salvation to you and I. The second thing I want us to see is that the delivered people praised the Savior. Delivered people praise the Savior. So deliverance has come for you and I, and it will come for you and I. Both the Israelites and those redeemed people on the sea of glass both sing to the Lord and glorified him greatly, declaring his mighty works and his holiness. They said, you're amazing, God. You're awesome, Jesus, and you are worthy of our praise. They get it. Because they've experienced it. They saw the coming calamity and they were delivered from it. Man, we ought to shout and sing. Maybe even dance. I know it's a Baptist church, but Lord help us. We ought to get excited because Jesus has done for us what we could not do on our own. And I pray that the Lord would just shake us and help us to awaken and realize he's worthy of our praise. He's awesome and mighty because of the works and the deeds that he's done for you and I. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our song. He's worthy of our worship. Jesus is amazing. His mercy is more. 
My sins are many and great, but Jesus died to forgive them, and there was nothing I could do to earn it on my own. He did it free of my abilities. And it's not just, well, I hope. I hope I'll be standing on that sea of glass. I hope I get to heaven. I hope I get to be with Jesus. No, we don't have to hope so. We can know so because of what Jesus has done. If you're here today and you are relying upon your own religious pursuit to gain entry into the gates of the heaven, heavenly kingdom of Jesus Christ, you are putting your trust in something that will fail you. You're putting your trust in a vain attempt. The only hope you have, the only hope I have is that someone stood in my place, someone with sheer perfection, someone that did not make a mistake, that did not sin in any way, and he says, I will die and shed my blood so that my blood can cover Derek Fielder and he will gain entry to heaven, not on his merit, but on mine. And the same is true for anyone who will believe in him. So friends, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, his blood covers your sins you don't get what you deserve, which is punishment in eternal hell, and you get what you don't deserve, which is eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ forever and for always. And that you didn't do anything to earn that. Jesus Christ did it for you. That's amazing. He's worthy of our praise. We have been delivered by him. Shouldn't we have, shouldn't we have far greater a cry of passion and zeal to the Lord than the people of Israel had to, to Moses and what he accomplished. Moses was just a mere man. God sent him and he accomplished this exodus, this deliverance for them. But we have Jesus Christ who came and fulfilled it and made it complete. Full and complete salvation, full, full and complete deliverance, full and complete redemption for our sins. We must worship him. We're delivered from sin. We're delivered from evil. We're delivered from the coming wrath. We're delivered to salvation and a loving Savior. We're delivered from sexual sin, delivered from the power of addiction, delivered from the world and its desire to blot out Christianity. We are delivered today, and we ought to praise his name with our whole entire lives. Jesus is worthy of our praise. The third thing we see here is that evil is not overlooked by our holy God. This interlude is a preparation for seven bowl judgments, and we'll get into that um, a little in May. And we'll take a summer break, and then we'll get back into it in the fall, and we'll close that thing out uh, around November. But this interlude prepares us for that. Bowl judgments, bowls of wrath being poured out on evil. And I say, thank God that evil isn't overlooked by our God. God is patient. 
The Bible word for that, I love it, is long-suffering. He is long-suffering. It's not a word we use, but the Lord is long-suffering. Aren't you glad that he suffers long? He tarries today because of his grace. He tarries today because he is long-suffering. But there is coming a day when all the grace and mercy he's offered to everyone everywhere will take a backseat position to his punishment of the evil system of this world and all those who give their allegiance to it. Now, some may say, how could God do that? The question I have is not how could God do that, but how could people be so stubborn and not listen to and heed his warnings? He's giving us time. He's giving us the opportunity to repent. He's giving us the opportunity to turn from our sinful ways. God is so good, he continues to tarry so the great commission can be completed and that all who will come to him have the opportunity to do so. But a day awaits everyone who decided to remain aligned with this world and God's judgment will eventually come to those. We, we don't mind justice as long as it's not pointed toward us. We like a judicial system that punishes thieves, sinners, people who've done wrong. We are so appreciative of that, especially if it is done wrongly against us. And in this moment, this is a righteous judgment. It's a judgment that is correct and right, but it's a judgment that is hard for us to understand because it is complete. But what I want you to see in this passage is that deliverance is available and complete as well. So don't you want to be delivered from your sin today? Don't you want to hear God's cry and come to him? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to save you from your sins, and you can call on him today. Let's sing to our Lord. Let me pray as our team comes, and let's respond to him and receive his deliverance today. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. That deliverance has come in Jesus Christ and that we're, there is a way for our sins to be washed away of no merit of our own. There's a way for us to escape the final judgment and the wrath to come, the bowls of judgment. There's a way for us to find peace with God and that's through Christ Jesus. Lord, would you help somebody today to come to you, Lord, in faith? Would you help somebody today to turn to you and receive the gift that you so generously offer, Lord, while there's still an opportunity, Lord, you help us, Lord, receive grace and mercy today that Jesus offers through his cross, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that he didn't just stay dead, but he defeated death, hell, and the grave on our, on our behalf. Would you help us, Lord, to run into the arms of the deliverer? Thank you, God, that you have made deliverance available. And help us, Lord, to humbly come to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, we're going to sing. And...
If God is moving in your heart and life in any way, if you'd like to trust in Jesus today, you come.